no matter how crazy and how difficult our childhood may have been, for all of us, there is those moments where something magical happened and we, have, we were there for it. And each of those stories has some significant meaning for us because it helps define how we see the world and what is it that we see that is the magic that the world has. And that's one of the access points to programs. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I am honored to be your host. Our mission here on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is not just to inspire you, but also to help you tap into and begin to believe in your God-given potential and purpose. That's right, baby. We want you to not only be inspired, but experience breakthrough. And we do that on this podcast by interviewing incredible people who are using their experiences, their skill set, their platforms to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. And here's the thing. None of these folks are simply sitting back, living a life of leisure. They have things to do, places to go, and lives to impact. Speaking of that, Nick Craig is the author of Leading from Purpose, Clarity, and the Confidence to Act When It Matters Most. And he's the president of the Core Leadership Institute, a leadership consulting firm committed to creating leaders and organizations with a deeper purpose and the courage to transform their business impact. Now, in finding and connecting to your purpose, it's best to start by stepping back into the stories of your life that are most connected to that purpose. Consider for a moment the magical childhood moments, as Nick refers to them, the little stories or vignettes when something magical happened in front of us that changed our perception or changed the way we thought about what was possible. Each of those stories has significant meaning for us because they helped shape the lens through which we view the world. Also, reflect on your most challenging life experiences. How is it that you got through the most trying times? What was your way of surviving in that journey? We've talked about it on the show before, but the stories that we choose define us, and the stories that we tell ourselves have a huge impact on how we see ourselves and how we show up in the world. I think one of the most powerful exercises anyone can do is reflecting on these impact moments in our lives and then plotting them out on a timeline, recognizing the choices that we made and how we responded or reacted to these different experiences and bring an awareness to those choices so that we can alter our trajectories going forward. Now, just finding and understanding your purpose It isn't the end of the journey. If you truly want to lead with purpose, you have to be willing to fully own it and live it each and every day and take action each and every day. Oh yeah, and also, following your purpose, it doesn't always make you happier, at least not right away. It's fulfilling for sure, but it's not necessarily a quick way to solve all of your life's problems. As Nick puts it, purpose is the most helpful to us when we are not good at it, when the world doesn't want us to do it, when we struggle with why we're doing it, but we know that we've got to do it anyway. This is a tremendously purposeful conversation, so bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact. Nick Craig, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Very excited to have you to talk about your book, your what I think is a, a, a groundbreaking book uh, on a topic that's been discussed since the dawn of creation, practically, and that is purpose, and in particular, your book, Leading from Purpose. I'm very excited to talk to you uh, today about this because it's a topic near and dear to my heart. Well, Mike, I'm very glad to be here with you on this conversation about purpose. My my family just left on vacation. I'm I'm meeting with I'm flying out to see them tomorrow, and when I went to go fill up the gas tank of our van, my daughter, my 11 year old daughter, came with me, and uh, she asked me this very interesting question, and and it was so interesting. I've I've it's totally not related directly to the topic of purpose, but I think that in a roundabout way, it might be. And she asked me this question about my name. And she said, Dad, did you, have you always liked your name or did you ever want to change your name? 
And I'm like, huh, that's a very kind of insightful question from an 11 year old. And maybe she didn't really actually even know what she was asking. But so I, I, we had a great conversation about it. And I, and I've decided that I'm going to kick off conversations with my guests by asking them about their name. Did you, when you go back and you reflect on your childhood and your coming of age, if you will, have you always felt comfortable as Nick or did you ever want to change your name and be something else? Um, well, so my name is Nick Craig. And there's a lot of times recently where I wish my name was Daniel Craig. <laughs> um, and so many people say, are you related? I said, I wish I was, but I'm not. Well, you know, what's interesting is that when I was a kid, my name was Nikki. Mm. And I remember when I was a teenager, when I made the switch from Nikki to Nick, and some people still saw me as Nikki, would talk to me as Nikki, and I'd have to sort of adjust it and say, no, my name is Nick, not Nikki. And so I remember when that sort of transition happened. Right. And so what's interesting is that we, I think we also need to look at then how do some people in our lives take our names and, and play with them? So my mom calls me Nikolai. Okay. Mm-hmm. So is my wife. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. I do think that our relationship with the people, some of us have nicknames. Now, the word nickname comes from Greece, where they used to name all of their boys Nicholas. So they had to have a nickname because otherwise, if you said Nick, everybody in the restaurant would turn around. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I would say I no, I, um, I, you know, my name has been what it's been. I also think that when it comes to purpose, that I feel like there's this beautiful place that is our purpose, and it's okay to have uh, more than one way of describing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because the room of our purpose is so amazingly wonderful and compelling that there's probably no set of words that fully describe it. But what we need is a, a set of words that help us access that room, just like a key to a hotel room. The key isn't the room, but without the key, you can't get in the room. Yes. So, you know, there's a connection there when you think about what our name is. And then in some ways, what I do when I programs is I say, well, tell me what your name is. Tell us your purpose and why those words. And then we get this beautiful narrative that people tell. And it just, the whole thing sings. Mm, I love that. I love that. You know, and it's, it's, um, it's really interesting too, because when people say Nick's purpose is, or Mike's purpose is, they're associating it with you and your name, right? And so our name is something that gets associated with what we're doing or who we're becoming. And for me, I, I'm a Michael Jr. So I'm named after my dad. And growing up as the firstborn son, I, I, like, I really did not like my name. I did not like being named after my dad. And because, you know, for, for a lot of reasons, but none the least of which was I wanted to have my own identity. I didn't want to be referred to as Mike Jr., right? And I really didn't take ownership of my name. I didn't really feel comfortable in my name or really make it my own until the day, until the the week I was graduating high school. I just reflected on this after my conversation with my daughter. And I had to make a choice because they they were they asked us, how do you want us to announce you when we hand you your diploma? Uh-huh. And so I had the option to say I just wanted to be called Mike Flynn or Michael J. Flynn or Mike or Michael Flint or whatever. But, in, but I said, you know what? I want to be referred to as Michael J. Flynn Jr. And that moment, I took ownership of my identity at that, as I understood it at that point. You know? And it, it was an interesting thing. And I encourage listeners to reflect on that. Like, Reflect on that question. What, how do you feel about your name? How have you felt about your name? And what does it mean to you? What, what kind of things do you associate uh, with that? Now, you mentioned your, your mom. And, and uh, are, they, are your parents still alive? My mom's still alive. Yeah. Okay. Now, did, they, did your parents... When you reflect back to your childhood, do you, did your parents live a purpose-driven life? So my my late 50s, so I was born in 1960. I think when I was growing up, nobody talked about purpose. People talked about how much money they wanted to make or what kind of house they wanted to have or kind of life they wanted to have or some vision of what that is, but nobody ever really talked about purpose. 
So I would say my parents had a relatively normal middle-class adventure, which had all the moving parts that went with them. So I don't think purpose was a key part of it at that time. You know, one, one of the, the things that you put in your, in your book is a, is a quote from uh, Mark Twain. And the quote is, the two most important days of your life for the day you are born and the day you find out why. And earlier I talked about the fact that this pursuit of purpose or finding purpose or discovering purpose or however you want to phrase it has, is a, has been a pursuit that's existed from the very beginning. I mean, you also have Marcus Aurelius in there in your book, you know, talking about uh, the pursuit of, of purpose. But you also thought that purpose was a bunch of mumbo jumbo at one point, right? So, so let's talk about the evolution of your understanding of the importance of purpose and, and maybe, maybe kind of um, do it in a way where you're not necessarily giving us the meat just yet, but just kind of teeing it up. Yeah, so a little over 10 years ago, uh, the thing I thought was sexy and hot was how to become authentic, how to be an authentic leader. And I would say it's not like it's uh, gone out of style yet. Let's put it that way. Howard Schultz, actually, who we think might run for president, was just talking about how we need more authenticity in the political world. So uh, I was working with a guy from Harvard Business School, Bill Georgian, and we had to put purpose in as one of our topics. And it was kind of like we could not have it in, but we didn't actually know what to do with it. So I got responsibility for figuring that out. (laughs) And it was basically because nobody else wanted to do it. So if you look at it from that perspective, I backed into this in the, in the most clear way of going to the back door versus the front door, because I thought some other things were far sexier. It turns out that the first big corporate client that wanted us to do stuff looked at the list and they said, we want this, 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 and purpose. And I was like, no, you don't want purpose. They were like, no, you don't understand. If we say we want it, that's what we're going to get. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to have to do this thing. So that's the sort of, that's how I sort of got my, that's how I, it got me to the place where I didn't have a choice, but I had to do it. It's kind of like the air, right? I mean, we know that oxygen exists. We know that the air exists, but we can't see it and we can't feel it. But yet we, we can follow a process to prove that it exists, right? Right. And I think that the same thing, the same is true of purpose, right? I think that it's something that we know is there. We know we, we need it, but we don't necessarily know, or there's not a way, a scientific way at least, of backing in and reverse engineering proof that it, that it exists. And so what happens is we end up, I don't know if you can see me on the video, but we end up like this, I'm holding up a souvenir coffee mug right now. It's got an inspirational mes- message on it. So the analogy I give about people is that many people are like this souvenir coffee mug. They're, they're walking around like the souvenir coffee mug with pens in it. They're doing something, but not necessarily the right thing. Yeah, so in some ways, the challenge we all have is the, the quote by Einstein, which is, everyone's a genius, but if you ask a fish to climb a tree, it'll spend its whole life being stupid. <laughs> exactly. And so the challenge for most of us is we don't know... everybody. We spent our life being told we should be great at climbing trees. We tried climbing trees. We spent our whole life being evaluated and judged and judging ourselves and beating ourselves up based on this. And, and the truth is, what are we supposed to We don't really know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the power of purpose, and I think the challenge of purpose, as you describe it, is that uh, because it is so much in the core of who we are, it's sometimes hard for us to see it ourselves. Maybe now would be an actually like a good time to fill in the blanks on how you tackled the problem of, of f- creating this content for this company and what you discovered in the process and how you turned it into this codified way to begin taking steps toward discovering your purpose. As in all things that get to be really pretty elegant and simple is that you spend a lot of time dealing with things that are complex and difficult. So the journey that I've gone on, which is what's in the book now, is a journey that took 10 years and working with over 10,000 people. And there are different points on the journey where things got a lot more crystal clear 
But in some ways, early on, it was like stumbling in the dark. And what would happen is, is we would sort of ask some questions, play around with some things. But what I would notice is, is that at some moment, it was as if purpose dropped into the room and everybody knew it was there. And what I began to realize was, is that when the curious little boy or girl inside of the person showed up, then purpose was in the room. Mm. And if it wasn't there, it was something else, but it wasn't purpose. It was striving. It was being a cheerleader or whatever the case may be, but it wasn't really, didn't have that same effect on the rest of us. Because in some ways, when people step, what I know about when people step into that place of their purpose and other people are around, everybody wants to follow that person wherever it is that they're willing to go. And it makes no, it's not about the content. So, you know, one of the first programs we did, we, I did it from 2007 to 2010, one really big company, and their stock went from 56 to 6. Mm. They went from being the kings of the world to being completely humble. And then they were wake, making their way back out. And toward the end of uh, 2010, some of the people who had done the first programs came back and they were talking. Somebody said, well, what did you get that was most useful to you during the, the recession? They said, well, uh, having your purpose was good. And I was like, what are they talking about? Right? Now, it turns out that the guy who says this was looking at me because he was in a group with me where we figured out what his purpose was. And his purpose or the metaphor that he used for his purpose was, uh, my purpose is to be the whitewater raft guy that safely gets you to the other side. Now, where does that come from was um, earlier in his life, that was a passion he had, but he ended up being a professional whitewater raft guy. And he actually saved people's lives in now, he was in a situation where that business was in deep trouble that he was running. He no longer had stock options or bonuses or all the other stuff that everybody usually gave out to get people going. And he said to them, look, I got, the only thing I have to stand on is my purpose. And he t- says, you know, here's my purpose. You know, I'm the whitewater raft guy, and I'm going to get you to the other side. And they were all like, Jim, you know what? That's the only reason we ever did this shit anyway. <laughs> and so they stuck together and he said look you know we think there's all this other stuff is the reason people stay around but the truth of the matter is, is that our purpose is what people really need and count on mm-hmm. in some sense you know my my thick sense is that i think purpose is the ultimate antidote to uncertainty mm, i love that that's 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 purpose is the antidote to uncertainty and it and it's true because it creates a tremendous amount of freedom when you think about as as the example that you just gave with this guy who you go to work for a company and it's happening right now in a big way in the Silicon Valley. You go to work for a company and you get all of these stock options and these bonuses and it's all about the money and the things and the and, and you accumulate and then stuff happens and it's all gone and then what's left and unless you really have clarity like this guy uh, that you in the book and you understand that you're the white water rafter who's going to guide you to safety then you're you're going to be in troubled waters yourself because you've just assigned your value and meaning to something that ultimately has no value at the end of the day and so how can people what steps should people begin to take questions that they might begin to ask themselves to begin stimulating and stirring the pot really in the soul to help their purpose shine? Well, I, I think the beautiful thing is that whether you have a, a cute phrase or, or not, that's not important. What's important is to really step back into some of the stories of your life that are most connected to purpose. So from all the work I've done, I've found that there are three major places that purpose resides for us. The first place it resides is in our childhood magical moments. And I had a guy who was a very serious guy. And um, he was the treasurer for a big international bank, and which is basically he's responsible for making sure that they have the ability to carry all the loans. So this is a really serious job, pretty serious guy. So we start talking about his purpose. And he's got this childhood magical moment where he was in the woods and he was camping with some friends and he decides that he's going to dig a trench or dig a hole and he's going to find something, okay? 
and he finds this medal from a, from a battle that was fought there. Mm. Okay, and so it turns out that the way he wears his purpose is this: that his purpose is to dig and always find the metal. Now, if you're if you're what you do for a living is you're a treasurer for a large international bank, it's really good that that's your purpose, right? Mm-hmm. It's like dig and find the value, right? So he calls his wife, tells her she's like, "Yep, that's who you are," and she says, "So, do you still have the metal?" He says, "Yes, I'll show it to you when I get home. I have it in the box." So that's a beautiful childhood magical moment, and it just so captures the 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 essence of who this guy is. Now, when he says that story, the curious kid in him shows up instead of the serious banker guy. And so you get this twinkle in the eye and the story really, it's like all of a sudden it really shows up in the room. So that's what purpose will do for you. And we all have these little stories and these vignettes, no matter how crazy and how difficult our childhood may have been. For all of us, there is those moments where something magical happened and we we were there for it. And each of those stories has some significant meaning for us because it helps define how we see the world and what is it that we see that is the magic that the world has. And that's one of the access points to programs. There's a lot of people though that, you know, I'm, I know a lot of people that did not have magical childhoods, like they, they did not. And, and because of their, because of their, the way their childhood, they, they're, their childhood is so weighted down by the memories of the lack of magic throughout their childhood that they they have, might have a hard time accessing moments. So if they don't, if they can't identify magical moments, what would be another access point? Yeah. So the, the next access point, which is perfectly fits into sort of answering your question, which is purpose, also shows up when we look at our most challenging life experiences. And the question is: Is what? It, how is it that we got through? What was our way of surviving the journey? Mm-hmm. So I've got a guy who uh, actually works for me, and he grew up in Ireland in a family of 11. His parents died when he was 15 in poverty, massive poverty growing up. And he went to work, and he spent 10 years doing manual labor or working bars, whatever it is, before he finally got himself to a point where he ended up getting a high school equivalency and then going to college, all this stuff. I went on with it. So he had the most awful childhood. So his purpose is to bring levity to moments most to to, to life's most challenging moments. Hmm. And it's like no matter how bad things are, he is going to find the silver living lining, or he's going to tell a joke, or he is going to bring the laughter to situations. I mean, I've been with this guy so many times in which your your plane has been canceled. Everybody's screwed. There's no hotel, whatever the case may be. And then he just like says something or does something. And you're like, oh my God, there it is again. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just there. So, mm-hmm. so how we get through the journey is as important as the, you know, magical moments happen to be something that some people have. But for me personally, I mean, my mind is, all, I don't have the magic. I have magic. I had some moments in my childhood that were pretty cool. But for the most part, I wouldn't say my childhood was the sort of bright light thing. For me, you know, my purpose comes from being humbled as a teenager and being miserable and having my parents hated each other. We were living in a basement apartment overlooking a swamp. I was going to the worst school system in the United States, or at least it was probably 49th out of 50th, so who cares? And it was just like, I was miserable. And I remember walking into this little bookstore and started opening these books about Levitating monks and Gandhi and Lincoln and Churchill. And I started reading their sort of life biographies and I realized that their lives had been just awful. And I said, you know, I got a choice to make. I can either be a victim or truth is, I remember this moment of realizing that I, as I read these books, I said, there's a potential of who each of us is that is so much bigger than what we see. And I really want to go find out what that is. Mm-hmm. Now, my purpose is to wake you up and have you finally be home. Right? That's how mm-hmm. I word it mm-hmm. as an adult. I didn't know it. I didn't have any of these words when I was a kid. But I remember that it was like I was in my worst moment. And it's like I realized I had to make that choice. Okay. And every time I have been in my worst, disastrous experiences in my life and 
know, I've lost my health, I've lost my job, I've lost my wife, I've lost my wife, I've lost everything at different points in my life. I've just, you know, it's like life should happen, right? I always went toward, okay, so what is it I need to learn and how do I discover the deeper truth of who I am that if I step into it, then it will transform this whole situation. Always in experience. What does home look like for you then? Yeah, home for me really is about being home in my own skin, being clear about who I am at my core, being grounded. And when I, when I, when I run programs and I've done this stuff and people do their purposes, I know exactly when everybody finally is home. It's like everybody finally knows who they are and what, what is the reason for their being. And for me, that's, the, that's what home is for all of us, hmm. is to know in your bones why you're here. And when you know that, at some level, you become more at home with who you are than you were 10 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my whole life has sort of continued to have me go in that direction. Now, I, you know, I couldn't figure, I had to go unpack these stories to figure this out because I couldn't see it. So, I, so for anybody listening, it's, it's the, the beauty of telling these stories and thinking about these stories is at some point, they sort of go, okay, there's a pattern here. Right? And you go, shit, there's patterns of this. Okay. I totally agree with that. Like, I think one of the most powerful exercises that someone can do is to draw a timeline and to go and to take some, half a day or even less and just reflect on moments. I refer to them as impact moments. Yep. And, and recognize that uh, we've made A, B choices you know, and how we've responded to those moments. Some of them we've made consciously, other they just they were just reactions and and we've gone on one trajectory. But now that we are aware, we can make a new choice, right? We can go back in time almost and change how we're reflecting light and energy onto that moment and alter the the trajectory going forward. And I think I think that one of the things that you pointed out in the book, which I love, is that the challenge... And oh, I, it's another quote. It says, the gift of operating from purpose is that we know what to do. The challenge is that we also know, is that we know, and the world may not be happy with the result. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the impact entrepreneur told you to call. How do you approach that? How do you approach like, oh my gosh, I, I, I've discovered or I've, I've now have clarity on what my purpose is. I know what I need to do. And that's both a great thing, but it could also represent a problem because the world might not like us as a result of that. Well, it's a little worse than that, actually. <laughs> no, here's the funny part. So, uh, for everybody listening, you know, uh, there's a myth out there about purpose, which is that if you know your purpose, that everyone will love you, uh, you'll make lots of money, uh, you'll make a big impact in the world, and you'll sort of ride off into the sunset, right? Mm-hmm. So, people who have all those things, when those some of those things don't happen, they end up in rehab. Mm. Right, or on the cover of People magazine or the New York Times, and it's not a good story. The truth is, purpose is the most helpful to us when we we're not good at it. The world doesn't want us to do it. We struggle with why we're doing this, but we got to do it anyway. That's purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay, purpose. And you know, if we look at most of the people that we revere through history, that we really sort of admire, it's not because they had a perfect life and everything was brilliant. It's because they had a life in which all hell broke loose. And they, they stepped outside of it and beyond it and stepped from the not being wanted, not being appreciated to all of a sudden the world transforming and thinking they were amazing 
And Billy Elliot is a wonderful play about a kid in the UK growing up in the coal mine town who decides to be a ballerina. And mm-hmm. it's, it's the story of purpose. Mm-hmm. That Monet's story, Monet spent most of his life in poverty. And now, you know, I don't know who can actually touch buying a Monet. Mm-hmm. That is a really good point because I actually just talked, my wife and I were just in Washington, D.C. in April, and we took our kids to the National Gallery of Art. And, you know, they've got a bunch of Monet's there, they've got Van Gogh. And as we were leaving, I'm like, I had this kind of revelation that, that you have to believe so strongly in what you're doing and in, and what your purpose is that you don't care if you don't become known until after you're gone or or you don't care at all right you don't you just know that you're supposed to be doing it that that's why you're here and that it doesn't matter like it, it doesn't matter that like monet did not paint out of hope that you know his pieces would would sell for tens of millions of dollars you know that's or right. hundreds of millions of dollars so, so another warning label for all of everybody is there's a desire or a belief that if you're living your purpose, your life will be much happier. Actually, it turns out that's not the case. You will have more fulfillment. You have more meaning. But the research shows that you will delay happiness. Mm-hmm. And the best example of this is having kids. So the research shows that having one kid slightly reduces your level of happiness. Having two kids has a significant impact on reducing your overall level of happiness. How could that be possible? Dang, I have four kids. (laughs) You are totally screwed because you know what I'm talking about. You know, the sleepless nights, there's never, you know, the The extra bills, the tuition, all that. Yeah, yeah. All of those things and the worrying that goes with it, right? How much Mm -hmm. time do you spend with your wife worrying about what's going to happen or what they're doing, what they're not doing or whatever the case may be? Yeah. And that what's interesting is that we would never want to, any of us who have kids would never want to be, take away that experience of being the parent and having a kid. But it is true that we have forfeited a lot of happiness. There's a lot of schlepping kids around and going to games and going to plays and stuff that was no happiness in watching those stupid games for the most part because it was like, oh my God, freezing and whatever the case may be. But there's a bigger container in which this all sits in. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, purpose is the same thing is it helps us see the bigger picture of why are we on this journey? What is it that is here for us and why are we going on this together? That's where purpose is. Have you ever read, um, there's this old speech from like 1930 something called The Common Denominator of Success and it was given by a guy named Albert Gray. Have you ever read that before? I don't know. I don't think so. I will send it to you. That would be great. There's a quote from it about purpose, which I pulled out because I, I have it saved because it's, it's really good. And it says, and it speaks exactly to what you were just saying. And he says, ultimately, that the common denominator of success is that successful people make a habit of doing the things that unsuccessful people won't do. And then he poses the question, why are successful people able to do the things they don't like to do while others are not. And he says, because successful people have a purpose strong enough to make them form the habit of doing the things they don't like to do. And I think that that's really true because when you are living on purpose, in purpose, and you're passionate about what you're doing, the word passion literally means the willingness to sacrifice or the willingness to suffer for something. And when you are purposeful, you are going to be willing to do whatever it takes to fulfill that, even if it means sacrificing your happiness because it's not about you. I'll, I'll try. Right? I mean, so, you know, I mean, I think the, so here, you know, the challenge for anybody listening is, is that L sounds interesting, but it feels far away. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, what my goal has been is, is to get people into that journey themselves, stepping into their purpose and to choose on a daily basis as to what does that mean. So one of the interesting things about purpose is once you know what your purpose is more clearly, 
you also know where you really leading from your purpose and where you're not in your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you, you no longer have the the fog of not knowing is a good excuse for not acting. So in some sense, the interesting thing about purpose is, is so um, this book that I just wrote, Leaving for Purpose, exists only because it, my purpose didn't give me an option. Because the last mm -hmm. thing I wanted to do was write this book. So mm -hmm. I've written two other books, and I've done it as co-authors, and it's just an enormous amount of work. And there's no, you never, the return is never, there's just no comparison. Mm -hmm. to, you put way more into it than in some ways you quote unquote get out. And so when I did this one, I had to do it on my, I did it on myself. Oh, I, I was really clear of just how much work this would be, especially to make it a book worth really reading. Mm -hmm. And I would, if it wasn't for my purpose, I would have done something else. Mm -hmm. I feel I the mean, same way. Yeah, I mean, it said, listen, you know, you're going to die someday. And if this book isn't written, it's going to be your biggest regret. So let's just get on with it and just do this thing. And so, to, you know, yeah, I gave up most every free moment of the last two years of my life to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, I am really glad I'm sitting here looking at the book. Yeah. I'm sitting here looking at a version of the book that I have to update. But yes. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, I, I, as I mentioned to you, I'm in the process of writing my first book. I've been writing it since... December of last year, I'm about two thirds of the way done, and it's a parable, and it's a very solitary process. And I am not a loner. You know, I don't do good. I am a I'm a community guy. I love to be around people, and so I have to go like to a coffee shop and sit there and just feel energy of other people. Otherwise, I would just go crazy. But you know, but this brings up another really good point, uh, also in your book that. When you discover your purpose, when you begin, when it begins to reveal itself, because it's always been there, when you begin to have an understanding of it or, or relate to it in the way that you know, you've, you've always been meant to relate to it in, the question then becomes, are you going to be willing to fully own it? And, and you, you bring that up just now in terms of whether or not you're going to write this book. Like, and I think that that's a really important question. So how do people approach that? So having, I interviewed about 75 people who all of them I've worked with about five or 10 years ago. So they'd had a lot of time to play with all this stuff. And so when we looked at that question, um, the truth is that it, the journey of mastery is a journey of always becoming aware of where that you're not leading from your purpose, finding what is the deeper truth that is humbling that you need to get and understand, and then stepping back into purpose and basically going for it. And you completely go through that cycle over and over and over again. You spend most of your time realizing that you're not leading from your purpose. Mm -hmm. But the act of knowing it is the act of stepping back into it. And so you're continually moving toward it. Um, there was a, a story told about the original Aikido master around the, in the 19th century, and the emperor brings together all the other martial artists. And after about a week, he comes back and checks in on them, and they say, "Look, we give up. We this guy is just, you know, way too good. We can't figure out how to get him off balance, and this is just, you know, he, uh, whatever." They just say, "Look, you know." We just want to learn what this guy does because it's so much better than what we're doing. What the Aikido master said is, no, you don't understand. I'm always off balance. <laughs> he says, I'm just always working off. I'm always going from off to on. And so in some ways, I think that's the same thing with purpose. Is that I think for all of us and for everybody listening, um, you know, it's not like you wake up one day, you know your purpose, and then you live your purpose. Mm. That's not how that works. You've been living your purpose all your life. Mm -hmm. Different times in your life. If we go back and I say, tell me three stories of when you've been your best, yet your best in your life, and you are most proud of what you did. You tell me those three stories. Those are three stories of purpose. You were leading and living from your purpose 100% in those stories. You saved mm -hmm. somebody's life. You turned around a business. You took care of your sick uh, daughter, whatever the case may be, right? 
Those are brilliant stories of purpose. Mm -hmm. The value of having more crystal clarity as to what is it is the opportunity to more consistently operate from it and also know when you're not so you can choose to step in it and do the hard work you need to Mm -hmm. to get there. Mm -hmm. So uh, a story, I got a guy I worked with who was brilliant. He was smarter than everybody else. He literally was smarter. The problem, it worked great one-on-one and it worked great when he was in front of a big group. But when he had his management team, it was a disaster because he would ask a question and then he would answer it and then solve it before anybody actually figured out there was a question being asked. And so the feedback he got was that everybody hated being on his team. Hmm. Now, his purpose is about being the gardener that helps you find and grow the seed that is the one that everyone throws away because they don't think it's worth growing. So when he, here he had this massive strength, which is his brain, because he was so fast and it was getting in his way. So he realized that he truly had to shut up and allow the other people, if he was going to live his purpose, he had to completely change his whole way of operating, which was the opposite of what his strength was. Hmm. I, I, you know, it's, it's really a very important lesson because, you know, I was actually going to talk about ego and the, and the role that ego plays in, in the process of identifying or discovering purpose, or even once you've discovered it, how your ego can take you off track again. And one of the, one of the examples I kept going back to, and as I'm thinking about this is the story of King David you know, how he, he was anointed, he was king, right? And in that period of time, when there was a battle, kings were to be on the battlefield fighting, right? But the, the one time where everything fell you know, into hell in a handbasket for him was when he did not go to battle and he stayed back. And according to the Bible, he ended up having a, an affair with Bathsheba and everything fell apart from there. Right, and it was because he just he was not fulfilling his purpose, and he let his ego get in the way. That should scare everybody listening. Okay, fulfill <laughs> your purpose because otherwise, bad. Yeah, you know. So I, this is like purpose is something that is with us all, and the opportunity is to always step more fully into it. Mm-hmm. The power of telling stories. If one of the other set of stories where purpose resides is if we look at the passions that some of us have. And even more of the passions we've had for a long period of time that don't have any extrinsic motivation for why we do them. We do them because we may not be good at them, but we do them anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, you know, I've had people who've discovered in those passions, there's moments when they're in there where they just feel so at home with who they are. And it, but it so represents the way they see the world from that point because it's so integrated into their, the filters by which they, they see the world through. And whether it's uh, something to do with sailing, swimming, singing. I've had so many people who've had some metaphor that has to do with being on stage and acting as a kid as far as what is the metaphor that really is connected to their purpose. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just think that for all of us, there's multiple access points to purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And one of them is just a wonderful key that really makes us smile. And that's the one that probably we tend to use as the words. Mm-hmm. Okay? But all of those experiences are purposeful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you ask your kids, you know, what have you been most proud of for what you did in the last two years? And they tell you a story, they are in their purpose. Mm-hmm. I love that. Speaking of stepping into purpose. What did you teach Brene? Brene Brown wrote a, a, a beautiful forward to your to your book. What did you teach her about purpose? The Queen well, of Vulnerability. The Queen of Vulnerability, who I love dearly, I was at a conference, and she and I presented at a couple of conferences, so we sort of knew each other. And I was watching her do her thing on stage, and I was just in awe of her ability to tell a story. She's such she's the one of the best storytellers I've ever witnessed. And she's doing it. She's going, and I'm sitting there. And I have a way of sort of an internal barometer of how much purpose is the person expressing. And I was like, "Well, this is interesting." I felt like the delivery was wonderful, but 
I was really, I felt like, you know what? I don't know if she's doing this from purpose or doing this because she's done it many times. So when everyone's doing exercises, I walked up to her and I said, Brene, I said, you know, I bet you you don't know what your purpose is. She's like, shit, you're right. <laughs> I've, been, I just, I've been struggling with this for like, you know, for about two years. She says, what do I do? And I'm like, well, this happens that you're standing in front of one person who can probably help you figure this out. So in that particular case, we went on a journey over a series of conversations of helping her to unpack her purpose. Mm. And okay. it was a wonderful experience. And it had a very big impact on a whole bunch of things for her. And it was so interesting to watch as she did it. But, you know, her, the four that she did the book says, you know, you know, knowing your purpose doesn't like all of a sudden make life la-la, but you definitely now know what the consequences of your choices are. Mm-hmm. 100%. You know, Nick, as we're, as we're coming up on, uh, on the hour here, I want to be really respectful of your time. And I look forward to continuing this conversation and seeing how we can help other people really claim their purpose. Because I think the world would be a better place, not necessarily a happier place, but definitely a more fulfilled place. And, uh, and I want to see how we can do that together. But I do have a few questions, final questions that I ask of every guest. But before we do that, I want to make sure that people can uh, go to where they can connect with you online and read the book and take the assessment which, which you've created, which is available for people who have read the book. Um, so maybe you could take a minute and, and just share where people can connect with you online. Yes. Yeah, so our website is coreleader.com. And that's probably the best place to find anything related to the book or me, or if you want to do the assessment. And we'll be having updates there on what we're up to, and the adventures, and programs that we teach, and all the things that go along with that. Awesome. We will be sure to link to that in the show notes. And in fact, listeners, you can click directly from your phone. You can go into the show notes in case you did not know and click and buy that book right now. Um, as, soon, as so long as you're not driving. <laughs> as long as you're not driving. Exactly. Uh, the, uh, the, the first of the last four questions that, that I ask of every guest is, if you could pick any skill set that you currently possess... And you already kind of have this potentially, but if you could pick any skill set that you currently possess and turn it into a superpower, what would it be? I would say seeing the deeper truth. Hmm. Yeah. What would that do for you? There's freedom in the deeper truth. There always is. Hmm. Hmm. That for me, but for others, it's the place of insight and awe and and truth. The deeper truth will always free you from whatever it is that you are struggling with. I love that. That's powerful. And it's true. What are three lies that we tell ourselves that prevent us, in this case, from realizing our purpose? Uh, One lie is that I don't know if I have one. Hmm. I can't tell you how many people come into programs saying, you know, I'm afraid I might not have a purpose. I'm like, oh, sorry, it is impossible for that to be the case. Second lie is, is once I know my purpose, everything will be fine. It'll all be great. And it'll all just super. Okay. Uh, uh, I think the third lie is that our purpose is something that we have to be a certain age to have. Mm. I don't think it's age dependent. I think you can discover your purpose at 10 or 100. Mm-hmm. I love That's so true. It's so true. And, and it's about owning it. It's about owning it. The last question is, if you were to leave instructions for a master sculptor, right? You've been in museums before. You've seen these amazing sculptures where these artists have captured moments and uh, immortalized them in, in stone or marble for all of us to see hundreds, sometimes thousands of years later. If you could leave instructions for an artist like a, like a Michelangelo or a Rodin or some master about a moment that you would like to be encapsulated and immortalized in stone for all to see, what would that moment be? You know, it would be one of those moments where I'm leaning forward, helping someone discover their purpose. And I'm just sort of in my purpose, hundred percent curious as we just are just about to like have that 
moment happen where it shows up in the room. I love that. I love that, man. You know, it's a, it is a, it's a really interesting question. I, I love hearing people's answers because it it, give, it it's a it causes it forces them to think visually about what the future might look like for them. You know, the last question is is more of a, actually it's not a question; it's a call to action. I want you to give our listeners an action, a call to action that they must take right now. In addition to buying your book, in order to take the next best step toward uncovering and dusting off their purpose. I think they just need to go sit down and uh, write out one of those stories that is going through their head going, oh, you know, that's a story I should probably think about. But the trick is, is I want you to write the story not from just sort of what happened, but I want you to step into the movie and write it from the perspective of being back in that moment. What you were seeing, what you were hearing, what you were, what were, what you were smelling, what happened next, how you felt, what time of day it was, was it raining, was it sunny? And just really sort of let yourself step back into that moment. And in doing so, you will be in that beautiful room of purpose. Nick, a.k.a. Daniel Craig. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us on the Impact Entrepreneur Show. I I love this topic and I look forward to continuing the conversation offline. Thank you. Thank you to this week's guest and thank you for listening. If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting flynnwealthstrategies.com. The Lot Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them and with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact.